So hello everyone, uh, I'm Mike from Beckett Careers and welcome to the first of our Student Matters series where we discuss some of the big topics that are important to students today and unpick how they can affect career exploration and how they relate to choosing a graduate employer. Over the course of this semester we'll be releasing further discussions on equality, diversity and inclusion and sustainability but we're going to start the series today discussing mental health and well-being and we have some fantastic contributors on the topic from both Leeds Beckett as well as a local graduate employer. Uh, I'm going to let our panel introduce themselves and then we will dive into some of the questions and discussion points that have been sent into Beckett Careers by our student ambassadors. So Chris. Cheers Mike. Hi everyone, I'm Chris McClay. I work here at Leeds Beckett University within the Human Resources team as a Learning Development Advisor. I'm an accredited Mental Health First Aid Instructor, so I design and deliver lots of sessions on mental health and well-being. And I also manage a pool of staff who are voluntary uh, mental health peer supporters and well-being mentors for other staff across the university. Uh, Michelle. Hello there, thanks Mike. My name's Michelle Monkman and I've recently joined the wellbeing team as a school-based wellbeing practitioner um, linked to the School of Arts and the School of Social Science. I come from a background of working in mental health, um, having previously worked as a care coordinator in a mental health service, um, as well as across different services working with dual diagnosis, uh, personality disorder, domestic abuse, um, a whole range of issues really. Thanks Michelle and uh, we have Emily as well. Hi uh, I'm Emily, I work at Phoenix Software, we're a IT reseller um, based in York by day. I am a bid manager um, but I also volunteer as network lead for our internal mental health and wellbeing network. Um, our network mission statement is the mental health and wellbeing network want Phoenix want to help Phoenix in creating a compassionate workplace where all employers feel supported, both personally and professionally, enabling them to be the best versions of themselves. We hope to do this by breaking down stigmas associated, raising awareness and offering educational opportunities. Brilliant, thank you. And we have Freya as well. Hi there, yeah, thanks Mike. Uh, my name is Freya Douglas-McTurk and I am, I work with Michelle. I'm a school-based wellbeing practitioner attached to the this, this School of Sport and the School of Education. Um, I'm a counsellor by training and I've worked in the NHS for a long time doing that, as well as working at other universities. I've probably worked in mental health for about 12 years now. Wow, thank you. So, yeah, like, like you say, I've got a really um, well-qualified panel to uh, to talk about this this subject. And uh, I'm going to, like you say, dive into some <clears> of the, <throat> the questions that, that we've had come in. And um, this is one, first off, uh, what advice would you give to, to students to help them maintain healthy well-being uh, during the second semester when study or work commitments can be challenging? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll come to you first on that one, Freya. Thank you. Um, so I guess one of the things we talk to students about when they arrive at uni is transition and managing transition. And that change generally is difficult as human beings. We tend not to tend not to like change and so what's important through any period of transition so so coming to the end of your course would be similar starting work is another transition leaving behind the support that you've had at university so if we're taking into all taking all that into account I would be encouraging uh, students to be looking after their well-being holistically so one of the things we talk to students about is something called the five ways to well-being which might be familiar to you guys 
It's often used by big organisations like the university, like the NHS, and <clears throat> it's a way of us maintaining our, our well-being. And I just want to say now that about the distinction between well-being and mental health. So we can have um we can have a diagnosed mental health condition and that can be kind of mild to moderate or more severe. But what helps us to manage that condition is the way we manage our well-being. And the way we the way we talk to students about that is is by using the five ways to well-being. So I'll just go over that very briefly. Um, so it's really about looking at, at, at five different ways to to manage our, our well-being, which helps us mediate our mental health. So that includes connecting to other people. And, and particularly during these strange COVID times, it's it's difficult to, to connect to others. Um, <clears throat> but that's about the importance of human contact, about relationships. Um, so we'd be encouraging people to, to use their relationships in a supportive way, um, to socialise with people where possible, even online like we're doing now. Um, the second one is to be active, which involves, which can involve kind of formal exercise, but also just doing, just kind of the way I talk about it is, is using your body in a, in a way that is meaningful to you. So walking to the shops, discovering campus, going to your new place of work before your first day to suss it out. Um, things like getting off the bus, uh, stop early. So you're, your, you know, the, the the impact of ex exercise and movement on mental health cannot be underestimated, really. So just just using your body in a in an active way. Um, the next one is to take notice, which I think we're all familiar with the concept of mindfulness. And this could be formal mindfulness. It could be sitting down and, and, and meditating. But this is really about just um, being connected to the moment we're in. So if we think broadly about things like anxiety and depression, Depression tends to be dwelling on the past. Anxiety tends to be worrying about the future. So it stands to reason, therefore, that if we are focusing on the present moment, we can we can neither be anxious nor depressed. Um, uh, let me just go on. Sorry. Yeah. So um, the fourth one is is to learn. And I always feel a bit guilty telling students to keep learning. Um, but again, this doesn't have to be in a formal way. So it could be. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, doing research for your new job, um, learning about the new area that you live in um, and applying that learning in a way that is um, enjoyable and uh, constructive, I guess. And finally, uh, the fifth way is to give. So to give your time, to give your attention, to give your support. We, we sometimes think about giving in terms of uh, giving money to charity, for example. I'm not talking about this here. It's to, um, you know, we talk about random acts of of kindness, don't we? So we we know that when people give something of themselves, it's actually the the, the giver that that feels that gets the best feedback from that. Um, so yeah, that's how I'd be thinking about maintaining your well-being. Brilliant. No, great advice. And and where can students um, learn about about this if they wanted to refer to it? And if they, you know, is, is there a place that they can go to to see yes. that? Yes, there is. So I think this research was done by an organisation called the New Economics Foundation. Um, Mike, if I put the link in the chat, will that be available? Yeah, we can share that. Yeah. OK, yeah. that's great. I can do that. No problem. And and Michelle, do you have any anything to add on, on to that that, that Frey has mentioned? 
I think just to just to add about the five ways to well-being model, what me and my colleagues are, are hoping to do, and I think um, some of my colleagues have already done, is to actually get into the um, into the modules and to deliver this presentation to students. Um, obviously, the five ways to well-being is just a little bit of that model. There's there's a lot of other um, sort of topics that we kind of cover about how to maintain your own sort of emotional and mental health and your well-being, and and a bit more about signposting. Um, and I think the only other thing I'd add is it's just about that balance, isn't it? And it's about being realistic with yourself about what you can and what you can't do and not being too hard on yourself. And it's it's difficult being a student and especially like when you're balancing um, a job or maybe a placement and, and having to tr try and do everything and just knowing that sometimes it's OK to to say that you're struggling or to say that you, you need a bit of help and you might need to take a bit of time off from one thing and that's all okay it's all about sort of looking after yourself yeah no really really good advice and yeah I think just on that you mentioned about like sort of balancing uh things and you know it, it does it does come to to this point doesn't it in the, in the second semester where there's there are a lot of lot of things to do to to balance so yeah I think that's really good advice to look at the you know that that, that five ways to well-being um for sure um and if a student has maybe concerns about their their mental health or their well-being um, when they are, they are looking um, for a new job, or and it's important for them to work in an environment where they're going to feel supported, um, what sort of things should they look for uh, in an in an employer? Um, and I'll come to um, Chris first to maybe talk that, about that kind of a little bit generally, and then maybe Emily could give some specifics about the things that are happening at, at Phoenix. Yeah, cheers, Mike. Um, I think when you you know you're looking at a future employer externally, you can do things like checking out their website, seeing if there's any mention of well-being policies on there, if they have a strategy, um, maybe seeing if they've got an employee assistance program. Those are often there to support all staff with a whole range of issues. And then I think once you're actually inside a company, it's also worth just trying to gauge the level of psychological safety that exists within that community. As, as if it's a safe place for people to be able to put the hand up and say, I'm, I'm struggling with this, or I need some help with this, uh, or maybe I need some information on this issue. It's also worth you know, checking out things like the Google reviews of that company or other people who've worked there to see their own personal experiences of you know, how that culture of caring is actually created. And again, you know, just checking out what resources they have available, whether they've got an employee assistance program, whether there's any online modules or anything like that. I think those are all really important factors that can help you to feel more confident as you, you know, give part of yourself to a company that you want to work for. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, like I say, if, uh, the, some of those things taking place at uh, at Phoenix, Emily, it'd be good to hear about, about some of the things that are happening there. Yeah, I think I, I really agree with I think Chris said. I think it's companies that are out there and doing things they want people to know we want people to know that if you come work for phoenix you're going to be supported and so if you look on our linkedin our instagram our socials you know if we're doing something internally we probably want other people to know um and we want to inspire other companies to also do this so when we do things we share it we want other people to be involved so a little bit of research and you can get get stuck in and see all sorts of things we do um a few ideas that we've been doing internally as the network um which I don't know if other employers are doing but to keep an eye out for we we've obviously got our network set up and we signed the mind time to change pledge when that came out and from that 
we started doing monthly tea and toast calls. So we've had um, they all started remotely. So they've all ma mainly all been virtual. Um, but we've done a load of topics. We've done loneliness on working from home. We've done anxiety, body image, all sorts of things. And they're just a half an hour chat. Anybody in the company is free to come. They're confidential. You come. We have a chat. We talk about learning about that if it's something we're not particularly exposed to. Sometimes people share their personal experiences and we learn from that. Um, and most recently, we started to record them and share them internally where they're asked for because we did a big campaign on the menopause and how we can support people with the menopause internally. And in, from that, it was sort of um, made quite clear that although it's a, a very natural thing and a lot of people go through it, it's not something that's talked about in the workplace. It's not something that a lot of people know about in the workplace. And, you know, 50% of the workforce are female and it's and or identify and are going to need it. Um, so just sort of making things aware. We have given everybody a wellbeing hour that they can take once a month. Um, we call it wellbeing Wednesdays, so you have to take it on a Wednesday. But you can take one hour on a Wednesday once a month and do something for your wellbeing. Um, there's no set rules on what that is because things that affect everybody's wellbeing are, are very personal. Some people might want to do some exercise. Some people might want to do some reading. Like it's completely your hour to take. So you get 12 hours back a year to do something that improves your wellbeing, which has been a really big hit with people and we encourage people to share internally pictures of what they've been up to to sort of inspire others and it's a really nice sort of community thing to do um and then like we've we've done a couple of free physical PE sessions we come PE at Phoenix but just with the local gym they came across and did a, a session at lunch for people to get involved with or um things like that over Christmas um because we were obviously all sort of locked down and working from home again we started running some teams online virtual mixers where it was just a teams call that was put in ev in everybody's diary and if they wanted to come on the call for 45 minutes they could jump on and off at any point but just have that social chatter that you would have in the office um and it, it just gave people that opportunity to talk and build the relationships that are really important to people's mental health that they wouldn't necessarily have if they were just at home all the time alone. So there's lots of lots of little things we're doing and I'm sure a lot of other companies are doing doing things as well. So it's it's worth just doing your research and seeing what people are, are talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the sound of the wellbeing hour and uh, yeah, I bet you get some interesting photos come back. Yeah, yeah. Lots of people's uh, idea of wellbeing is very different to some people's, but it is good. It's good fun. Um, there was just something I wanted to explore a little bit, something that you mentioned, uh, Chris, about sort of psychological safety. And I think if, if that's a term that um, maybe our students maybe aren't familiar with, but maybe might be really important to them about what, what that means. And and um, just in, in other areas of uh, not we're talking about you know, in work, but also in their studies and, and things like that. And are there, are there some some things that you would you would say to to look out for um, when, when considering that or some things to, that they should um, sort of think about when, when considering that as well? Yeah, well, one of the big barriers that we have, you know, when it comes to talking about mental health and well-being is the stigma that surrounds it and the stigma that comes from so many different areas of life, you know, whether it's from ex external things like the media or other people's attitudes. But sometimes that stigma can come from within. And sometimes, you know, we place a lot of guilt on ourselves if we're frightened of admitting that we're struggling um, and we're struggling to deal with our emotions. So sometimes that can be internalised stigma. So we have to get to feel comfortable with our emotions and experience now a range of emotions first to be able to voice that. But then the second part of the psychological safety is being in a 
situation where you feel comfortable to be able to do that. So, you know, when I talk to employers and managers across the university and other institutions, it's about creating a safe space where people won't be judged, where people feel informed about mental health and well-being issues, so as not to be able to make assumptions and rash decisions. So we educate people and we also teach people how to, to listen as well as signposting and just to listen non-judgmentally and be able to have you know intelligent open conversations without jumping to conclusions and jumping to prejudiced assumptions about these things so that you know that creating that atmosphere is a is a cultural transformation it doesn't happen overnight but you know through careful development and education and conversation and communication we can we can build up these communities and these cultures no I've Absolutely. I think that's a really important thing to consider. And I just wondered if, if Freya and, and Michelle, you had any any thoughts on that from from in, in terms of your role and, and speaking to, to students daily about, again, you know, about what your thoughts on that would be? Um, well, um, for my part, at least, you know, I, I, I work in a I work in a specific area. Uh, so I work in the area of mental health. So I I, I would hope and I have found that my colleagues are supportive and kind and um, and, and and open to us to us all talking about whatever it is we might be what might be what we might be going through, and particularly in terms of our work, which can sometimes be challenging. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think we have a, a psychologically safe environment where where we work, and also I guess. I suppose related to this is like the the impact of lived experience as an as an employee so um so you know so if I think about managing my so my, my own mental health is something which leads me to this this career uh, but it is also something which helps me to be good at it <laughs> so I suppose that's something that we often forget um that you know people with people with lived experience of um mental health issues are, are generally speaking extremely good good employees like compassionate empathic um i think there's research which suggests that that uh, people with lived experience have lower rates of sickness for example so so yeah i just want to add that in there that that um it's often a strength rather than a weakness absolutely and um i'll just move on to a uh, another question that we that we've had come in about um this is more about sort of when when applying for a role um, and if a student has um, maybe some concerns about their their well-being or mental health when applying for a position um, should they should they approach this with with the employer um, or maybe when it's going through the, the selection process um, what or what would be a good way to do this do you think and I'll, I'll come to um, to you first on that Emily so yeah if someone's applying to Phoenix and they have concerns about their their mental health and well-being more more generally when is a good time to, to bring that up with you or, or you know is it a good time just give our students some, some advice on on that I don't think that people should be shy I think if it's relevant to the role and it's relevant and they feel they should bring it up then the, the conversation should be had it should be had as early as possible so that you know Phoenix can be aware and we can put in measures to support that should we need um it would never be held against somebody in the interview process like we can't that's not legally fair to you know hold a mental health issue against somebody but if somebody 
was open with us and there was something we could do to make them more comfortable in the interview process and show them that Phoenix has the support there for them once they start working here, then them knowing that as early as possible is going to make them more comfortable with us. Um, also gives us the opportunity to highlight what we're doing internally, which, you know, makes them want to work here even more and say, you know, we love that you've got these experiences. If, you know, you can bring those to Phoenix, you, you can teach other people and you can share your experiences if you're comfortable doing that. Um, and we can, you know, use that to support other staff internally. It would never be held against somebody and we would never view it as a negative thing for somebody to bring up. So I think it's a it's about having the confidence, isn't it, to to be able to bring to bring that up. And I, I yeah. think sometimes that is what what people struggle with. And I, I know Chris mentioned stigma earlier on in the discussion. And um, I don't know, uh, Freya or, or Michelle, have you got some thoughts for students about how they can approach that conversation and, and have that confidence? Um, because I think it probably, even though you've got a really welcoming employer that is sympathetic to this it can still maybe feel like a, a challenge to bring it up. So I just wonder what your thoughts are on that. I think Freya and myself discussed this earlier and we were saying it's a really, really difficult one. And I think I think my advice would be that it's, it's going to be based upon the individual and their individual circumstances, because obviously there's so many different um, sort of mental health is such a big topic and somebody might have quite mild mental health um, or somebody might have a severe and enduring mental health um, issue. And I think it really depends on the individual, how accepting and how understanding they are of their mental health, because somebody can have a severe and enduring mental health issue, such as bipolar, schizophrenia, with the right treatment, the right medication, they can manage their mental health and be able to hold down you know a job no problem um whereas other people might struggle and they might they might feel that they might need some extra support so i think really it would be based upon someone's individual circumstances and how comfortable they felt having that conversation um i think it also makes a difference sort of what kind of career or what sort of job mm -hmm. sector somebody wants to go into um i guess myself <laughs> and freya are both from sort of working in mental health and working within mental health and health and social care there's often um an emphasis on lived experience and the positives and the benefits to the workforce of you bringing your own personal lived experience to the role um so i think we can only really comment on that whereas there might be others um i would just add that you know i I'm, i i hope that student employers are are supportive um and uh as emily says companies have a legal obligation to 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 be supportive or at least at the very least not to be discriminatory but as, as michelle was saying you know it's down to personal choice and i would also say you know there is the option not to disclose your your mental health difficulties as well and um and if you're someone who manages their mental health well and does that kind of holistically so you're using all areas of your life to help manage that not just not just work um you know so you've got a supportive family and friends maybe maybe you engage in other activities outside of work as well which maintain your help maintain your well-being um if, if you're able to manage it then perhaps you don't need to make that disclosure yeah no excellent advice and i think just staying on the the kind of area of of uh, like the application the process and and applying for jobs and, and things like that and and the selection um, how can students sort of stay positive through that process, especially if sometimes they 
they um, aren't hearing back and they're, they're not getting responses. And um, I'll ask you first on that one, Chris. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this issue of um, emotional resilience. You know, it's banded around so much, this phrase, isn't it? And it's everybody's is very different and has very different levels and experiences of this. And as we understand mental health, we help it helps us to understand ourselves and how we deal and how we interact with life and the challenges that life you know, throws at us. And I think it's really important that we remember certain elements that, you know, it's natural for us to be in a state of emotional flux, i.e. we might not feel anxious all the time, we might not feel happy all the time. You know, our mental health continuum steers us along a range of different emotions throughout the day. And once we sort of accept that and understand that, that can help us deal with some of these challenges about maybe not getting a job or not getting a position you applied for or, you know, life not unfolding as we always want it to. And also, I think on the, the same theme of understanding ourselves and understanding our well-being is understanding what influences our mental health and well-being. So things like understanding, you know, the, the peer group that we're in and around at that time that can affect our emotions and how we react to things. Things about, you know, how our sleep patterns are that particular week, how our diet is, or our, our physical health that particular week. And just recognising all these triggers and things that impact our mental health helps us to understand ourselves better, but also to understand why we react differently on different days to the same situation. And I think that can help us find a, an inner knowledge of ourselves, but also it leads us on to that inner resilience, because we might recognise that, yeah, I feel a bit low today, but tomorrow can be a better day absolutely yeah tomorrow you know tomorrow's always better isn't it if you if you can make it better yourself i yeah. think and uh, yeah uh, freya and and michelle have you got some thoughts on on how how the how students can can stay resilient as well in that process well i guess i guess like chris says you know for me there's a big part of, of accepting that that process is a difficult process so accepting that there will be rejections accepting that um we might not hear anything back um that, that that's almost part of it do you know what i mean it's not an exception it, it's that's part of the overarching overarching process and i guess also you know trying not to take those experiences personally trying not to to, to apply them personally i can appreciate that's difficult particularly if it's your your first foray into into work life no absolutely and i guess this would also happen once once students are, are in, a, in a graduate job and there are some challenges from the fir- maybe the first few months of that first um maybe the first year that they're there can be a, a really difficult transition often often for um for students in that and i just wondered emily if you had any any thoughts on sort of taking that into the next step and how you can sort of stay uh, emotionally resilient within within your first first few months within the job I think it's very important to remember that everybody was new once. Everybody had a first day and nobody knows everything on their first day and everybody gets lost. Um, So, you know, as much as you you get lost on your first day or you make a mistake and it feels like the end of the world, it's not. And and everybody knows you're new and and you're learning. And and that's just the process that everybody has to go through. And it's quite, you know, difficult to get it in your head that, you know, it's not just you. But um, what you, once you're, you know, settled in your workplace and you can reach out, you can build your support network in your workplace. There's people that you can gel with, there's people that you know you can talk to and you can go to to be mentored. 
Um, and that can really help you in the first year just to feel settled. And once you feel settled in your job, you, you forget about feeling nervous that you're new or that you don't know where things are and you get more comfortable asking questions. And, and I think as long as you remember that it's OK to ask questions and communicate and find out the information you need to find out to be able to do your job, then you can't really go wrong. Yeah, no, excellent advice. And, you know, I think it's that everyone had a first day once. I think that's great advice because, uh, yeah, I think we, we forget that sometimes, don't we, on our first day, that we that everyone else has had that first day and has felt exactly as we have. And, you know, if you're in, in, a, in a good team, they are going to be uh, sympathetic to that and be able to, to support you in that way as well. So, yeah, no, I really like that. Um, definitely really good advice. And I think we've got got time for maybe a, a couple more of our, our questions that have, that have come through. Um, and um, so there's one just related to um, decisions and um, just this sort of moving into a graduate career can sometimes feel like a, like a daunting decision. Um, and how would you advise students to approach a big decision um, in a productive way um, so that it, it doesn't negatively impact their their health and, and well-being um, and I'll, I'll ask you first uh, Freya on that one uh, you just on mute there's a couple of things I, I'd like to say about that so so firstly I think it is a big decision you know your first job af after uni but I think there can be a lot of pressure, you know, particularly if you've done a, you know, a certain degree and, and you feel that you must immediately start your career in that subject. You know, like that's a big decision to make for the next 50 years of your life, your working life. So so I would I, I would one of the things I say to my students is that if you have like a really strong feelings about something or you're passionate about something or you have strong convictions about you know your particular beliefs um i think if you follow follow those beliefs or or interests or passions you can't go far wrong really so you might not be finding your quote unquote ideal job for the rest of your life but if you if you can find something which fulfills your your values um then you can't go far wrong um so so for example one of the reasons i do the work i do is that i i have a strong sense of uh, equality and, and justice so I believe that everyone should have a fair crack at the whip for example now it just so happens that that those values lead me into this work but there are lots of other jobs that I could pursue if I wanted to fulfill that. No it's, it's really good advice and I think one of the things that we mention to to students at, at Beckett Careers is that that first job it it doesn't necessarily have to be like you say for the next you know 10 15 20 years you know it can be just like you like you say find somewhere where that you know with an employer that has similar values to you that uh, meets some of the the things that will make you happy and you, it doesn't necessarily have to be for you know the next next 10 years it can be for two or three years learn yeah. some skills gain some experience gain you build your confidence in that work environment and then take it on into a into another role and you know i think um it's a it's a, a life of jobs as opposed to a job for life these yeah. days. And so, so Michelle and I were chatting before this, and and both of us, you know, are both uh, mental health professionals, but both of us retrained for that work later on in our lives. So it's, they're not, you know, our, our roles we have now aren't necessarily related to our first degrees. Um, and what I what I did in the in the intervening kind of 20 years or whatever was that I had lots of life experiences I had lots of job experiences and 
um and and that led me to make the decision about my current role yeah absolutely yeah, yeah it's getting an experience sorry I was just going to say, just to sort of add to what uh, Freya said there, I think when you graduate, you do feel a lot of pressure. And if somebody had said to me that I'd end up working in mental health when I graduated, having done my first degree, which was English English language studies, I was and I was ready to be a party planner, I never would have thought I'd end up working in mental health. And I think as you sort of see, you know, you're out there in the big wide world and you're applying for jobs, seeing what's available. And you might realise that what you thought your dreams were when you're 20 and what your dreams are when you're sort of 25 or 30. So it's it's about just keeping on learning, keeping on trying new things. And I think as you get older, you become more aware of what your values are and finding what a good job and what kind of career is going to be a good fit for you. So I think it's it's okay to not know what you want to do for the rest of your life when you're when you're at such a young age and it's okay to change and you're never too old to make these changes. Can I add to that that also um, when I started at Phoenix I didn't start as a bid manager I didn't know what a bid manager was I didn't know this job existed and I think the more you get out there and join companies and then you learn that this role exists and that people do that for a living and you think oh I think maybe I would be good at that and you can you can you know take your skills and move when you know these jobs but nobody finishes uni and is aware of every single job that's out there and when you're looking these jobs are coming up and you read you read the job specs and you read all about it and you think I don't I still don't know what that is but when you go out and you join a company and you see the people doing that job it, it sort of gives you a completely different perspective on it and and you can learn that of these jobs that exist that you don't learn about at school not everybody goes into being a teacher an astronaut a scientist like there's there's more to it than just those categories um, and I, yeah, I joined Phoenix in a completely different role to what I'm in now and had no idea it existed until I'd been here for a while. So, yeah, it's, it's absolutely, isn't it? You know, a lot of job titles today didn't exist 10 years ago. And then the job titles in, in the next few years you know, don't exist now, more than likely. So it's about exploration, isn't it? And I think it's having having that courage to to go out and, and, and gain different experience and things. So um, I just wondered if I, I think that's a probably a good good point to to sort of maybe maybe conclude the the discussion today but I just wanted to go around and 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 just see if anyone had any any final uh points or uh thoughts that they wanted to to just share before we uh before we wrap up and I'll I'll come to you first Chris. Well my point would just be about self-care you know we all live frantic lives that you know very fast moving and lots of changes and I think it's always important just to take you know (coughs) the time each week to take a step back to pause, look after ourselves, to recognise what we need to do to look after ourselves and to not feel guilty about looking after ourselves. Thank you. No, great advice. Definitely, definitely um, um, one for, for people to, to think about for sure. And uh, Michelle? Um, I think I completely agree with what Chrissy just said there about um, looking after yourself and not feeling guilty about looking after yourself. I think my my advice would just be love what you're doing I've recently just changed roles uh, roles, and whilst I enjoyed my other job I'd kind of lost a bit of the love because of it was just a really really stressful role um so it's really important to be happy in the job that you're doing because you spend such a long you know a big bit of your life working you've got to do what makes you happy and if you're not happy change change your job <laughs> great great advice as well if you're not happy change and you know we we can make the changes can't we that's that's yeah. something that's in our power for sure and, and emily have you, you got any final thoughts 
I, I'd always go with just be kind. You don't know what other people are dealing with. You don't, you know, you need the kindness back sometimes. You might not be having a good day, but that you don't know what everybody else is doing. So just be kind and the world will be kind back to you. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. And and Freya, just to finish off. Yeah, I guess um, uh, I'm trying not to be too like airy-fairy and counselling-y, but uh, I think ultimately that it, it will be okay. You know, I think there's loads of pressure, loads of stress. You do your dissertation, you're applying for jobs. Maybe there is this belief that you've got to get the job you're going to have for the rest of your life but it's going to be okay. However things work out, it will be okay. Excellent advice. It is, it is always okay, isn't it? Basically, if if you've got the right people around you and you've got the the resilience and you take the self-care that we've we've mentioned. Well, thank you everyone. I I think that's been a really valuable uh, discussion. Hopefully uh, our students enjoy listening to this and um, can gain some value from it. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, when we send this out, we'll put uh, contact details of how to get in touch with with uh, the wellbeing team um, if you are um, if you feel that you you need that service um, or if you want to discuss anything further on the back of what we've talked about today. Um, yeah, we'll be back with uh, other topics later in the semester, uh, and we'll uh, hopefully be um, be bringing you something else very soon. Thanks very much, everyone. Thank you.